Good morning and happy new year. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Megan Williams and I um, am getting to speak to you this morning. Our pastor Joel is in Israel and so I get to kick off 2019. <laughs> Woo! Here we go. Um, I love a new year. I love a fresh start. I'm kind of a weirdo that also loves Mondays because it feels like a fresh start to the week. Um, but I love, a, I just love a fresh start. I love an opportunity to do things better. Um, and I feel like a new year is like that, and that we get to look back at the things that we've done the year before that we might need to change or want to do better. Um, and then there's just this culture in our world right now that in the new year, you can make resolutions or you can change something, do something better this year. So I want to ask you a question. We're going to be interactive for just a second. Raise your hand if you like and do New Year's resolutions or set goals, or I'm going to throw in, pick a word for the year. Raise your hand if that's something you do. Okay, so there's some of you. Raise your hand if you feel like that is pointless. I will not make goals for the year. (laughs) Hey, thank you for your honesty. (laughs) That's good. You probably have learned along the line, that you've made goals before, and then you get to about the third week in January, and it just goes out the window. Um, And so I get that. I understand. Um, But whether or not you like resolutions or you like setting goals, I can bet that there are things in your life that you want to change. There's something in your life that you want to make better, do better, Um, that you want to be stronger, that you want to be richer, not necessarily in money, but like something that you want to function better in the year. Um, And so whether or not you're setting goals or not, I know that there are things in our hearts, um, in our lives that we want to see change and get better. We are starting a new series today called Mastermind. And the tagline is, change your thinking, change your life. And so for the next Um, Today and for the next five weeks, you're going to get to hear us kind of talk about um, what it looks like to change your thinking. There's a key phrase that's going to carry out throughout all of these sermons, um, and it's this. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In other words, what you think about, your strongest thoughts, the things that are um, in your brain are going to lead the way you live your life and shape how you live your life. So whatever you're thinking, those strongest thoughts are going are gonna to lead your, make the path that you're, um, that you're going to walk down. For instance, say you don't like somebody and you're thinking, oh, I don't like them. And you just are annoyed by them. When you interact with them, it is going to affect the way that you speak to them, the way that you interact with them. Those strong thoughts about that person are going to affect the way that you act towards them. Vice versa, when you like someone, when you have good positive thoughts about someone, it's going to affect the way that you interact with them. Your strongest thoughts will drive the way that you live your life. Another example, the way that you think about food. If you think, I work hard, I've earned this food, this food is for my pleasure only, then you're going to choose the food that you eat. You're going to eat that way because those are your strongest thoughts. If you think food is to fuel my life so that I can live the best life, then you're going to choose that food differently. You're going to think about eating differently. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And we're going to be talking about that over this series. The the verse that we're going to talk through a lot, um, or that's kind of this whole thing is kind of based around, is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. So this should be on the screens. Um, And it says this, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we're going to kind of camp out in that verse over the course of these next few weeks. See, the thing, the thing is, is we are in a battle. Um, if you are living and breathing, then I can guarantee that at some point you've had some kind of battle in your mind where you've thought, I think this is what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know. And it's just going back and forth. There is a battle going on in our mind. And it's a spiritual battle. It's not of the flesh. But God has given us weapons of warfare to help in that area. In the Greek, strongholds is the word. It says divine, have divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds in the original Greek text means a prison. Many of us are living in some area of our lives with a stronghold or a prison that has been built up over time because of something that we've thought, a lie that we've believed from Satan, and it has built up these prison walls. So there might be that one thing that you have wanted to change every year. Think, I'm going to get healthy this year. I'm going to have a stronger marriage this year. But there might be, and I believe that there probably are, strongholds things, that, the way that you think that are keeping you from being able to move forward, that's keeping you in this prison and not allowing you to change that aspect of your life. Here's what I think, and here's where we're headed today. If you want to change your life, if you want to change your thinking, then you need the active power of God in your life. And if you're going to have the active power of God in your life, that means that you need to be communicating with him. Our can-do attitude, our self-motivation is only going to get us so far. And the world wants you to think that. You can do anything you put your mind to. You can be whoever you want to be. But we need God's power because that can-do attitude, that self-motivation is probably, actually, I would say it is not going to break down the walls of a prison that has been built up around you over years of believing lies. It's not going to happen. But you know who can break down those walls? God. God can break down those walls. And for us to have his power come in and break down those walls, we need to be communicating with him. So today, I'm going to talk to you about prayer. We're going to get this thing started out with prayer. And I'm so thankful that this sermon is coming after a cowboy's win because now we know that God can answer prayers. I was really concerned last night. We were watching the game and I was like, man, if they lose, I don't know how I'm going to talk about prayer. <laughs> but they won. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer works, man. Prayer works. For us to access the power of God, we have to know him. And for us to know him, we have to spend time with him and communicate with him. And that is simply praying. Praying is our communication with God. And this is what I believe. Prayer activates the power of God in our lives. I'm going to say that again. Prayer activates the power of God in our lives. Prayer is the way that we call on God and how we can see his power come through and break down those strongholds. So if we want to change our thinking, we want to change our lives, let's start with prayer. So my goal today when we talk about this is that simply you walk out of here and you are motivated and you are inspired to pray. Pray more. Pray fervently. 
spend specific amount of time each day in prayer and then pray all throughout the day that you would have a spirit of prayer, that you would have a praying life. My hope for this year for myself, the thing that I'm striving towards or wanting more in my life is a richer prayer life. And so I'm preaching this to myself. Okay, here, as I was thinking about praying, I think that I came up with three excuses why we don't pray very much um, or don't pray as often as we could be or should be praying. Um, There probably are more excuses, but these are the three that kind of resonated with me and what I want to kind of talk through today with you guys. So the first one is we are too busy to pray. We got too much stuff going on. I'm going to wake up. I got to take care of these children. I got to feed them. I got to get them to where they need to be. I got this to-do list that I need to take care of. And then your head hits the pillow. And I can say this because I've done it many times at the end of the day. And you think, ooh, I didn't talk to God at all today. Not one time. And that can be a day, that can be many days, that can be weeks or months that we've gone without talking to God, without communicating him. We say we are too busy to pray. The second reason I think we don't pray is because we think we're self-sufficient. Now, I don't think we think this consciously, but if we're not praying, then we are thinking it because we're not calling on God. We're quietly believing that our time, talent, and money is all that we need to do life because we're not calling on the power of God to do it. So subconsciously, in our spirit, or however, by not praying, we're saying, I can do this on my own. I don't need you, God. I'm self-sufficient. The third reason I think some of us don't pray is we don't know how or it doesn't feel right. It's kind of an odd thing to talk to this being who doesn't really talk audibly back to us, it's kind of weird. We don't really know how to pray, so we just don't. It kind of feels unnatural. So we're too busy, we're self-sufficient, or we don't know how. So I want to kick these excuses to the curb today. We're going to talk about each one of these excuses and why they're trash. (laughs) They're not good excuses. So the first one, I'm too busy to pray. A couple months ago, I was, um, I kept coming across this quote from Martin Luther, um, and he said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And I was, I loved it because I was like, you know what he gets? You know what Martin Luther gets? Is he knows that his plate is full. He's got a lot going on in his day. But he knows, and why he said this, is that he can't do any of it without Jesus. That all the stuff on our to-do list, all the things that we need to take care of are not going to happen without the power of God. I said prayer activates the power of God. Martin Luther got this. And so he said, I've got so much to do today. On those days when the to-do list is outrageous, he said, I'm going to spend the first three hours praying. Now, many of you have small children, have jobs that you have to get to at a specific time. Three hours of prayer feels like, I don't know. You'd have to wake up real early. Maybe you do. Maybe that's what you need. But the point of it is, is that to accomplish the things that God has for you that day, you need to spend time praying about it, starting your day in prayer and communication with God. A couple years ago, I was in a season where every day I felt overwhelmed. And I'd get to the end of the day, and Joey probably remembers the season where I would just cry. I can't do it. I can't do it all. I can't. I'm so overwhelmed. 
And I know, I know because I'm friends with some of y'all, well, all y'all, well, y'all are all my friends, that you have walked through seasons of being overwhelmed or are currently overwhelmed. And in God's kindness to me, he led me to this verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And what he showed me in that verse that has nothing to do with prayer, but has everything to do with the fact that he has prepared beforehand good works for me to walk in each and every day. And so instead of doing my to-do list, start going through all the things I needed to do and getting at the end of the day and feeling overwhelmed, what God was teaching me was that he had good work set out in advance for me each day that I could walk in. And so I started praying in the morning and asking God, help me to walk in your ways today. What ended up happening is my perspective changed. My busyness didn't change. I was still a mom. I was still a wife. I was still maintaining a home. I was still running a business. I was still having to edit thousands of pictures. But my perspective changed. My insides changed. I wasn't hectic on the inside anymore. But it was me taking time in the morning, at the beginning of my day, and surrendering and saying, God, I'm going to walk in your ways today. And it changed everything. So there are still seasons of my life where I get into that overwhelmed state and I'm like, oh yeah, walk in his ways. And I'm reminded to go back and in the morning, surrender my day and walk in his ways. In a book that I'm reading called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, which I highly recommend, it's very good. Um, He says it like this, learning to pray doesn't offer you a less busy life. It offers you a less busy heart. When we are less hectic on the inside, we have greater capacity to love and serve those around us. Praying more allows us to function on God's strength and not our own. So you say you're too busy to pray? I say, no. You need Jesus. You need to be praying so that you can do all the things that you're so busy with. You need to pray so that your insides are at peace and you're calm and you can handle all the things, all the responsibilities that you have set before you. You are not too busy to pray. You're so busy that you need to be praying. All right, the second excuse. I can handle this on my own. I am self-sufficient. Like I said earlier, I don't know that we're thinking this consciously, but like I said, if we're not praying, we are thinking it to some extent. We're saying, God, I don't need you. This can happen, I think, um, I think this can happen by getting in the rut. So maybe you're praying, but you're praying just the same things over and over again. I don't think that that's a bad thing, but what ends up happening is you kind of just, it becomes rote. It doesn't mean anything to you. Um, and so you are, you're just kind of getting into this rut of praying, or it could mean that you're like taking this part of your life and giving that to God and praying for that, but there's this other aspect of your life that you're not going to give to God because you feel self-sufficient in that. Um, The thing is, we are not self-sufficient. We desperately need God's power in every area of our lives. I can tell when there's been a long season of time where I haven't been praying, I'll come back to praying and I'll think, wow, I was doing a lot in my own strength. Woo, I was doing a lot in my own strength. Think back to a time in your life when you were praying a lot. I bet 
there was something going on in your life that you felt powerless about. You had no control and you felt helpless. That's what drew you to God. That's what made you want to ask for his power. Paul understood this. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he wrote this. But he said to me, and he's talking about God. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. When you are weak, he is strong. See, I think it's easy for us to come to God when we feel powerless, but guess what? We are powerless all the time. In every area of our lives, we need Jesus. We need his power. And so when we recognize that, when we recognize our helplessness, when we recognize our weaknesses, then we bring them before the Lord and his perfect power is made strong in us. And we're able to do the things that we can, like I cannot parent in my own strength and ability. I would probably kill my children right? (laughs) I got some amens. I would. I cannot do it in my, but when I am weak, the best parents are the parents who know they cannot do it and come before the Lord and say, I'm weak in this. I need your strength. And then his grace is sufficient and his perfect power is pulled through us, pushed through us, however he does it. And we become parents that can love and serve our children and point them to Christ. That can be whether parenting, marriages, friendships, community, you're going to do the best at it when you recognize that you are weak in it because then he is strong. He is our helper. His power is made perfect in our weakness. It's perfect. Isn't that cool that they use that word? His power is perfect in our weakness. So there might be some areas of your life where you're walking around, you're like, okay, I know I can't parent. I'm going to pray for that. I know I can't be a good wife all the time. I'm going to pray for that. But my business, it's under control. I'm not going to bring that to the Lord. And you, again, might not be consciously saying that, but there's some area of your life that you are not bringing before the Lord. But guess what? You have access to his perfect power in all areas of your life. All areas of your life. So let's bring it all. Come on. All of it. Every single aspect of it. Because then his perfect power is working through us to accomplish everything. All the things that we need to do. This is what's cool too. In 2 Peter 1.3, say that again, 2 Peter 1.3, it says this. His divine power, that perfect power, divine power, has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has granted us all things, all, not some, not part, all things for life and godliness. If there is some part of your life that is broken and needs to be changed, God in his divine power, when we come to him, when we are weak, his divine power enters in and gives us everything we need for that circumstance. But we're not doing it. I'm not. More life change would be happening in our church. More things would be moving. The power of God would be moving more if we were people who are praying in those circumstances, coming weak and expecting God's perfect power to come and enter in. You're not too busy to pray. You need to pray because you're busy. You're not self-sufficient. You are weak and he is strong. And his divine power is gonna give you everything you need. 
And then the last reason I think we don't pray is because we don't know how to pray or it feels unnatural. Um, it just is kind of a weird thing. It genuinely is. You're talking to this being that's not responding audibly. You hear other people pray and you think, oh, there's some kind of like special word you're supposed to say. I would like for you to know, and we're going to talk about this as we go through this next part, that there, it doesn't take fancy words. It's a conversation, like going to coffee with someone and just talking, sharing your heart, being real, coming authentically. There's not special words. It's just talking to God. If you don't know how to pray, or if you kind of go, this is weird, guess what? You're not alone. The disciples also didn't know how to pray, and they asked Jesus. They kept seeing him go off to pray and talk to God, and at one point they said, hey, can you teach us how to do that? So we're going to look at Luke 11, 1 through 4. Luke 11, 1 through 4. It'll be on the screens. I don't know what page it's in. I can pull it up on your phones. It's fine. All right, here goes. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, I'm going to pause real quick here. Because this in Luke 11 is like a condensed version of the Lord's Prayer. If you want what, we, what you've heard people say at the longer phrases, um, that's in Matthew 6. Um, but we're just going to, we're going to hang out here in Luke 11. So don't, if you're like, wait, it's missing words. It's just recorded differently in different places. So it's still the Lord's Prayer. We're good. Um, all right. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So when I was in middle school, I played basketball. I was real good. No, I wasn't actually. Uh, I was a short little girl that had a lot of heart which is code for not very good. Um, I was aggressive and competitive, still those things today, it's fine. Um, and so I would get out on the court when, they, when the coach let me play, because there was a lot of times I was sitting on the bench, but it's middle school, so they're like, okay, you can go. Um, I would get out there, I was really fast, and I would get the ball, and I would break away down towards my basket that I was gonna shoot in, and I would smoke everybody. Like, I would go, and I would get, I'd dribble hard, and I'd get down uh, to the end of the court. And I'd get so excited and get going so fast that I would throw the ball up at the basketball goal, and it would hit the backboard and go way back into the other. It was, like, pointless. It was terrible. Um, but it was really fun, and I wasn't very good. But it was fun. Um, but I was on a team, and we, before we would go out on the court, we would get in the uh, locker room, We'd gather up. I mean, if you've ever been on a team, I'm sure you've done this very thing. You get with your team and your coaches, and you say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And I was like, this is cool. We're praying together. Like, my sweet little innocent Megan Hart was like, oh, everyone knows this prayer. Cool. But when you say something over and over again, if it becomes something that you um, just know from your childhood, maybe you can miss the weight of it, right? Like, we were saying it, but I don't know that we were like, your kingdom come, like as seventh and eighth graders. We are just saying this Lord's Prayer. Um, and so what I want to do really quickly is go through Jesus's outline of how to pray and just go line by line and let you see what God is telling us 
by allowing us to pray like this and teaching us to pray like this because it's really beautiful. And what's cool as I kind of worked through this and studied through this is it, it builds on each other. And there's these cool little things that came out that the Lord, Holy Spirit revealed to me as I was reading through these verses. So I want to share them with you. First, he says, Father. Father, the way he said it in that time would have been Abba, which means daddy. If you were here for Adoption Sunday, I talked about that word Abba. Abba is a familiar word. And for Jesus to call on God in that familiar way, it would have been shocking to the people of that day. But he said, Abba, Daddy. And what it does right at the beginning of this prayer is it establishes this relationship. This loving God is my perfect father, and I am his child. And so right out of the gate, Jesus is saying, when you talk to God, know that he is your father. And when you start it, you are establishing this relationship. God, the perfect father. There are two aspects of this that I think are cool. One, it reminds us that we can come to God as children. And if you think about a child who is communicating with their parents, they, they are unashamed about what they ask for. And they'll ask for the same things over and over again, right? Like Griffin eats all morning long. <laughs> and he comes to me multiple times. Hey, can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? And typically it's yes. Sometimes now I'm like, the kitchen is closed. <laughs> no. But unashamedly, he, they ask for what they need. They ask for what they want. And we know what's good and right for them most of the time. And so as best as our brains can handle it, and we tell them yes or no. But they come. We as children can come to God with anything because we're his child. And then the flip side of that is that he is a perfect father. So I'm not. Oh, heavens. I'm not a perfect mother. I'm not a perfect parent. I don't hear my children the first time, all the time. <laughs> Joey saying amen back there. <laughs> Do you hear your children? No, I've tuned them out. <laughs> I know, and I'm not alone in that either. So I don't hear them sometimes. I'm irritated when they ask for the same things over and over again. If I'm tired, especially, I'm like, just go get what you want. And I'm not kind in my responses all the time. But I'm not perfect, but God is. Praise the Lord. And so when we come to him and we say, Daddy, when we say Abba, one, he hears us the first time. Two, he is not irritated by us. He loves us. He's not tired. He's not like, oh, you're asking me for that again? No. He's like, oh, you're asking for it again. You're coming to me. You're talking to me. How beautiful it is that you're communicating with me. I love it. Tell me more. I want to know your heart. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to know what's hurting you. I want to know what's making you joyful. Tell me everything. So very at the very beginning of this prayer, he says, Father, and establishes that relationship. Then he says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means honor as holy. This is a statement of praise about who God is. Declaring honor to God and proclaiming who God is, is worship. And when we read the Psalms, David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, was very good at this. He said things like, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Here's what's interesting to me about this phrase, though, is sometimes we forget who God is. But if we start saying who God is in our prayers, God, you are good. 
you are good. I don't know that I believe it right now, but I know that you are good. You are good. You are provider. You are my rock. When you say those things in prayer to God, I believe that it solidifies it in our souls. And so you might not be feeling it. You might not think, oh, you're almighty and powerful. But if you say it enough times and you declare it to him, I think that the sweet thing happens that God goes, yes, I am. I am. And so you can say it over and over again. You've established a relationship. You come as a child. You say who he is. And then you say, give us each day our daily bread. This is a provisional request. God, give us what we need for this day. This can be the meals that we need to make it through the day, our financial provision. He is a provider. God, Jesus is saying we can talk to God and know that he is a provider. And here's what's cool, because later on in Matthew, like Matthew 7, 11, Jesus tells his disciples, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, much more will your Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. In this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, ask for the provision. I'll give it to you. But later on, he's saying, I'm also a really good father. We've already established this, and I love to give good gifts to my children. So you can ask for anything. Anything. You know what I realized? I skipped a part. <laughs> Y'all probably caught that. I'm going to go back real quick. Because after we say, hallowed be your name, we say, your kingdom come. And this is vital to like the provision thing. It kind of builds on each other. So your kingdom come, or in the Matthew version, it says, your will be done. This is a statement of surrender. We are saying, God, your way is better than my way. That helplessness I talked about earlier, where we come to God in our weakness and he is strong, this is that statement. I believe that your way, your plan is better than what I can come up with. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Saying your, you, God, have the best way. So we've, I'm gonna go back now. We've established the relationship. Father, Abba, it's familiar. We can come as a child to a perfect loving father. Hallowed be your name. You are good, you are righteous, you are holy, you are above, your thoughts are higher than mine. Your kingdom come, I surrender to you because I know that your way is better than my way. All of those things are established and then we ask for God's provision. And then we ask for all the things that we need and all the things that we want because we've already established that his way is better than ours and we're trusting that what he says in response to our requests is good and right because we know that his way is better. So for instance, we're adopting and I'm praying for provision. It costs a lot of money to adopt. God is providing to make it happen. I'm also praying above and beyond that we would get a phone call tomorrow and we'd have a baby girl. That's what I want. And I can pray that boldly and ask for that and also trust that God knows what's best for me. But I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep asking because he's a good father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. And maybe he'll say yes, and we'll get a phone call. So I'm going to keep asking. But I've already established he's a loving father. He's good. He's powerful. Whatever statement we need to make to remind ourselves that he is holy and honored. 
We say, your kingdom come. We surrender our will. We ask for, for, for provision. We ask for the things that we want. And then, and this one was the coolest one for me, then it says, and forgive us our sins. So I think if I was the one writing the prayer, probably what I would say is before you come before God, you, you need to lay down your sins and you need to get it right. So the first thing you say is forgive me my sins. And then you say, Father. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, first, you say, Father, Abba. You say, you are good and right and holy. You say, I surrender my will to you. God, provide for me what I need. And then he tells us to ask for forgiveness. All of these relational things have been established first. We don't make it right. We don't do things right and then have a relationship with God. He has already reached down and said, I have saved you. I have redeemed you right where you are in your mess. And I've forgiven you. The relationship is already there. Then you say, forgive me. And it's a reminder that we can come to God in whatever state that we're in. If we're all jacked up and messy, great. He knows already. Just show up. He's already your loving father. He's already going to forgive you. That's what he promises. And if you believe in Jesus, he forgave you on the cross. It's done. So you can come and say, forgive me. And here's what I think happens. Two things. So you ask for forgiveness. It reminds you of your own sin and depravity and how much you need God's grace. And then two, in the next phrase, it says, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. When we know the forgiveness and experience the forgiveness that God has given us, it allows us to forgive those around us. It's gonna make our relationships a lot better. We're not gonna be walking around with bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. We can forgive people around us because we recognize our own forgiveness. What a gift that is. And then the last phrase, and lead us not into temptation, or in the Matthew version, it says, deliver us from evil. Here is where we ask for deliverance from any evil in our lives, anything that is not of God, anything that we are tempted towards. Self-righteousness, control, addiction, slanderous talk, believing lies from the devil, the evil of anxiety, and I didn't say the temptation of anxiety, the evil of anxiety, because it is evil, Pride or selfishness. This takes me back to the stronghold that we were talking about at the beginning. Deliver me from, what is that stronghold? What is that way of thinking that you need deliverance from? Jesus tells us right here in this prayer that we can ask for it. Deliver me from evil. Keep me from the temptation of believing these lies anymore. And he surely can do it. And then when we end our prayers, we all say, and all God's children said, amen. amen. Okay, so you know how to end a prayer. That's great. Amen means so be it. So be it. If you think about saying a prayer and then saying the words, so be it, that's powerful. Father, you are a loving father and I can come to you as a child. So be it. Hallowed be your name. You are good. You are righteous. You are holy. You are everything I need. So be it. Your kingdom come. I surrender my will to you. So be it. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide everything that we need. So be it. Deliver us 
Forgive us of our sins. Let me rest in your forgiveness. So be it. Help me to forgive those around me. So be it. And deliver me from evil. Break down the walls of this stronghold around me so that my life can change because of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. So be it. My goal today and what I've prayed for leading up to today has been that we would become a church who prays that we would believe that we are weak and incapable in our own strength and that we would call on the power of God and not just, so I think, I think sometimes we can get in the habit of praying little prayers throughout the day, which I think is good. That's gonna give you kind of a spirit of prayer. As someone's laid on your heart or a scripture's laid on your heart, then, then offering it up to God. We need to be doing that. But I think we also need intimacy with God. And if you're in a relationship and your, your person is only getting sound bites throughout the day, there's not going to be intimacy. What creates intimacy is sharing your heart with them and hearing their heart back. And so maybe this week, maybe here at the beginning of the year, you need to say, I'm going to spend five minutes, that's it, five minutes in prayer to start my day. It's going to give me a less hectic heart so that I can get through the business, the to-do list of my day. It's going to remind me that I'm helpless, which will allow God's power to work through me because he is strong when I'm weak. And it will give us all the sweet fruit of all the things that I talked about in the Lord's Prayer. We establish that relationship. We declare who he is. We say we need him. We surrender our will. We ask for his provision. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for deliverance. And here's what I think is going to happen. You start spending five, days a minute, five minutes a day in prayer you're going to get like fired up and you're going to want to pray more and you're going to want more time to pray and you're going to make it a priority to spend alone time in prayer each day. I want that for us. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for my family. I want that for our church, that we would see God's power move in our lives and change our lives, change our thinking by coming to him and saying we are weak and we cannot do it, but God, your divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. So we're gonna lean into you. So I want you to pray. I want you to have a rich prayer life. In Jeremiah 33, three, it says, call to me and I will answer you. In Luke 11, nine through 10, it says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Let's be people who pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. You are our loving Father. God, and I pray that when we wake up tomorrow morning, God, that you would draw us to yourself. God, that we would not be distracted by Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or a television show, but God, that we would be drawn to you and we would say, I'm gonna give you time, Lord, because you give me life and you give me power to be able to accomplish the things that I have to do today. God, I pray that we would be people who surrender not just pieces of our life, but all of our lives to you and get to see your power move in our hearts and minds. God, we need you. We are not self-sufficient. We desperately need you. And we thank you that when we call on you, you say that you hear us. 
God, and we thank you that you are God and we are not, and that you know what's best so that we can come unashamedly to you as a child and know that you have our best interest in heart because you love us. We are the pinnacle of your creation. We are your children. And so we trust in your will. We ask that your kingdom come and that it would reign here at Connection Point Church. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word and how it teaches us to pray. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So be it.